Hey everyone, welcome back to the Mission 300 podcast. I know you have missed us, but don't worry, we are back. And uh, on Brian's tour in the States here, he is in a new undisclosed location, a new undisclosed state. Okay, it's with Caleb in Alabama, but they are uh, live and we're ready to get started tonight. We wanted to keep talking about purpose and the pursuit of that. And what we had just talked about a couple of seconds ago is how do we simplify the starting points of what we should be moving towards in life with our purpose? And then Caleb and Brian both had just things that came up right in this moment that really relate to it. So we decided we need to hit their big red button and just get started. So I don't know which one of you wants to kick it off with what was just on your mind there. Yeah. So it was funny because as we were talking about it, my coworker texted me and we had been, we're always talking about like making a short film or something like that. But it was a screenshot of a post on social media that said, if you can spend 30 minutes a day writing, three days a month editing and three weeks a year filming, you can make a feature film, even if you work full time. And so that was interesting. All the little steps that was like towards a feature film, as we were just getting this conversation started about making small steps for purpose. What are the numbers again? It's three days or 30 minutes a day writing, three days a month editing, and three weeks a year filming. That's really quite remarkable. What, why do you think, you know, you could just take anything and shoot, break it down. Like you could take, you know, the idea of like, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Why do we struggle with the idea of like, man, if I just did this over a year, but I can almost guarantee what goes through your mind. Yeah, a year. Yeah, but what do I do right now? That's a year. How do we get the, what do we do right now of those little steps that were just defined to become important to do right now? So you love video, you love all this stuff. Why wouldn't you do that right now? I think for me, it would be because I wouldn't have the instant gratification of seeing like this immediate product of what I'm doing. So it's like these mundane little things and it's like, oh, it's, there's nothing coming from it in the moment or that day or even that week. Like I have to wait a year to see all this work come to make this one thing out of all this daily mundane stuff. Hmm. Probably why. Well, let me ask you this. Why has our measurement changed? Like, why can't we find some gratification in doing that, that one thing? Why, you know, I just met a um, friends of ours from years ago. We went up and visited them. Uh, why we've been down here in Alabama and she had just gotten remarried and uh, was out with her husband and he's um, used to be a uh, competitive bowman. So they would do all the competitive archery and all that stuff. And now he's into that cornhole bean bag and they have a whole huge, beautiful barn. Like it's beautiful with all these cornholes. So they have competitions for bean bag cornhole in, in their, in their barn. And so he had like all these special bags and here's how you throw it. And here's how this one sticks. And so he grabbed a bag and started showing. And it's like, everyone went in the hole. It's like, he just tossed it, boom, hole, 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 hole. I'm like, holy cow. Like who cares how it sticks? It doesn't ever need to hit. You just stick it in the hole. And he goes, well, no, when you're playing competitively, if they hit foreign, then it gets off and you have to really be more strategic. So you got to land it this way. And so you're showing how to land it. And I'm like, how, how many times have you thrown that beanbag? And he goes, well, I'll be honest with you. I, I throw about a thousand beanbags a week. And I'm like, okay, so you've done this for four months. He just only been doing it four months. 
but he's throwing a thousand bean bags a week and he's sitting there just chucking them in. He wouldn't even play with us because it wouldn't even be fun. And he's just chucking them in the hole. And I'm sitting there like, why would you enjoy that? And that came back to his competitive archery. In order to be competitive at archery, you had to master these little nuances over and over and over again. And that's where he decided to find his enjoyment was in the nuances, not in the overall outcome. And so because of that, he could do it over and over. And it kind of goes back to that theory of 10,000 hours to become mastery of something. That's how many hours it takes in, in just in the researches across the board, whether it's learning to pay, play the piano, whether it's uh, any kind of skill, playing the guitar, singing, uh, any athletic event, kicking the football, uh, wh whatever it is, it takes about 10,000 hours of deliberate practice for that to become mastery. But those that master it learn, it's boring, but they learn that that becomes the most important part. I love this quote from Bruce Lee. He said, I fear not the man who has practiced 10,000 kicks one time, but I fear the man who practiced one kick 10,000 times. And so it kind of goes back to that. It's almost like what you just received from your friend is like, if I do these things, how do we switch our gears from a kingdom mindset of just really hitting to the point of mastery of things that, and how many things in our lives would open up if we just learned to love those mastery pieces, those, those small little things we do every day. I think another part of this conversation that I found interesting is, and I wrote it down today as part of my uh, just writing and journaling. Um, I took a, a quote from a book, success is focusing on one single target for victory. If you want to succeed, give one thing, everything you've got, and then some. Where's that from? What's the it's from, uh, it's called Success Is. It's just like a daily devotional thing. I just really find that interesting that that's what I feel like I struggle the most with is there's so many different things that you can do. And you can choose a million different ways, but if you're, it goes back to like the eight old, age old adage that says like jack of all trades but master of none and i think that is where this whole like comes into play like you can't get into the details and into the weeds and really know what to do specifically if you're not going to master the whole thing it's the idea of having like focus and focusing on one thing and giving yourself to that. Is that really a kingdom of God dynamic or like, for instance, we know that Paul's whole pursuit was knowing God, knowing the father that that's was his pursuit through Jesus Christ. But he was, he could walk into a city and see a monument to the unknown God and, and, and bring that whole thing into a perspective that the people could understand. He was a master of taking what the people knew and bringing that into their, their concept. So what did he work on to build his skills? Like how, how did he become skillful at that? And we know it's God working in him, but then there's also a giving yourself to those skills and that writing and that doing that, um, is this something spiritual or is it just like God just induces this vision and you kind of know where to go and you wake up one morning and just go after it and look what takes place? My question back to that would be if Paul didn't make his main focus, God, would he have been as successful in those areas? 
without it. And that could be mean for anything, right? Like if, if I want to become the best communicator on business, I'm going to have to master a lot of little things in order to accomplish that. But my goal isn't to master the little things, but it's a product of the long-term thing, right? Um, like I'd have to learn how to speak better. I'd have to write better. I'd have to learn how to communicate. I would have to learn how people respond to my communication. And that ultimately that would make me better. But my goal wasn't to become the best writer. That was just a part process. So can you, can you share or anybody on the podcast share, what, what do you do in your pursuit of God has brought you to Matt focusing on something that you give yourself to as a result of your pursuit of God versus, you know, God, he's out there and you hope he blesses this thing you're pursuing. I'm not trying to be technical on this, but I think there's a confusion point is it's like, I'm either serving God or I'm doing my occupation. And we're not bringing God into the occupation. We do, we occupy, we, we do occupational things and they change, but we give ourselves to them. So we're skillful at them, but we do it because we're pursuing God. But if I'm pursuing God, maybe I don't need to do this occupational thing. Like how, how do we bridge those two together? Because there seems to be a great divide, especially in the Christian world of what that looks like. I think I would argue there's only one choice. And I would say the only one choice is to fully pursue God. And then whatever comes out of that, whether it's like, it's almost like we're trying to separate these things that aren't supposed to be separated. So like fully pursue God and whatever you do out of that is like, that's, that's the answer. So it's not like, do I choose to do this career thing or do I choose to like pursue God? Which one is like, fully following him i think it's just like fully pursue god and wherever that path leads you i think we just have this mindset that like fully pursuing god looks like ministry or looks like one particular thing whatever it is but i think it's like fully pursue god and it can be anything out of that would probably be can can you walk me through a day of what that looks like and i'm, I'm really trying to dig this down because I, I think we all on this podcast fully agree with what you're saying. And I think we're posing this question so that some other people could kind of rustle through because I know these were thoughts in early days of, well, I'm going to take a business venture. Some other people are taking more of a, more of a, uh, more of a direct type of ministry, like working in a ministry. And we made it that this is business and this is ministry but the reality it sounds like what you're trying to clarify for everybody is it's both one in the same, but how does that look if I'm pursuing God, but I'm doing business as the thing that he's sending me down versus when we go to church and we hear a speaker speak, you, you tend to not be wanting to be in business. That's the lower item. But if I'm in ministry, then I'm going after the thing that God is really, that really is where he's going to get behind it when we're forgetting they're both business and they're both ministry. So how do we, how do we help those that are like listening? They're coming to know God. They're coming to the kingdom. It's like, 
I don't know what to do. I want, they want to please God. They, they want to do something for God. They don't know what to go do. How do we help that get unpacked for them? I think the best way that I can think of is kind of anecdotal, but it would be like my dad runs a business. He's in like consulting industry for mining, but just seeing through what he's done, he's followed God like more through that than a lot of people I've seen following God and other things. And I think it's just like, whenever I've heard him talk about it, he's been like, yeah, I just was following God. And he even did as he, when he was younger, did missions, trips and things like this. But he kind of had this inspiration from God to just do something along the lines of engineering. And I think like for me, it turned out completely differently. Like I'm in more of a form of ministry, but it wasn't because I was like, oh, to follow God, I have to do the ministry thing. It was more like, what has God given me passions for? And where is he leading me? And how does that all connect? Like, as long as I'm following God, I think that'll inspire me and others to where they should be walking, if that makes sense. Because that's like the path, the path that my dad took was just he was following God and that's where it happened to lead him into business. And I think just because it doesn't have like, nobody's ever is going to know like my dad or even other businessmen as like some great minister going down in history. But all that matters is that he's following God fully. And it's not about like some kind of name or making sure people know, yeah, I'm like, I'm following God. He's just living his life doing that. And it doesn't matter. Like if it looks like what our idea of ministry is or not. Let me bring that back to the first thing you shared with us, Caleb, about you got this text. If you do this so much per day, if you do this so much per day, do this in a, over a week, just something simple. You can make a feature length film over in a year. We struggle doing that because there's no instant gratification per se. Let's just say that's one of the drivers. There's probably, there's multiple factors, but let's just say, that's it. Or maybe we just say, I'm going to put all that time into it and it won't produce. Uh, well, what that little going to actually do, you know, we can have all these different reasons why we don't do that. But it, what you just described with following God is your dad just doing those little steps that were in front of him. Well, how's this going to really impact the kingdom of God? Well, how's this going to really impact the kingdom of God? Or, or how is this going to really accomplish my dream rather than God's my dream? And all of a sudden he starts doing it. Your dad has an amazing story of how this, his business even turned and all that stuff. It, it is powerful. And I think we'll go down a history in heaven. We'll see how many ministries were so greatly affected by the simple fact that your dad did these things. I think our relationship with you and just relationships and stuff, there's so many things because your dad went down the path that he went. And so in a way, your dad did those little steps because he wasn't looking for the outside, whatever that measurement is. And so how can we take our walk with God and our love for God and get moving in something when it feels like you don't know the direction to go down, but deep down you kind of do. It's just, it's not the measurable thing maybe in your mind that you think it should be. I, in my experience, both in other people and in myself, the problem is not that we are lacking direction or purpose from God. The problem is we're looking at ourselves as if we are a blank slate 
and we are waiting for something to come from God to direct us, not realizing that you already have people you know, you already have activities you're involved in, you probably already have a job. Like you're not just this blank slate of a hermit living in a cave waiting for God to say, come out of your cave and move to this city and get this job. You probably already have multiple spheres of influence that you're walking in as a person. So the question for most people, I don't think is, how do I find the purpose? It's how do I operate from the identity in the areas I'm already in? And not knowing your dad, Caleb, but hearing a lot of stories about him, it seems like that's kind of what he did. Like that's, that's what Joseph did in the old Testament. You drop him in a pit, you drop him in prison. He's going to end up running the prison because of who he is. He gets promoted People come after him. He's just he's just gonna be who he is wherever he gets plopped. Like he got plopped places. He wasn't really, you know what? Now I'm gonna go to prison and I'm gonna have a prison ministry. You know what? Now I'm gonna start running the nation and I'm gonna be a politician running the nation. He kind of just got thrown places and he just lived out who he was in those places. So I think for a lot of people, and there's exceptions, but you know, like God said to Moses, what's in your hand? Look at what you're doing right now. And how can you be who you are in those things? If nothing else, you probably have a bed that you sleep on and a room you sleep in. Start by making your room. Jason, expound more on that, because I think that's kind of where the direction of this goes. It's like, I think we're not knowing what's in our hand because we don't write the 30 minute little piece. We don't do the twice a week, do some twice a month, do that little video editing that would make a difference. We don't do those little things, but you're talking about that, like make your bed. How, if we started that little process, like, Hey, you already got something in front of you. Here's what you could do. Mm-hmm. And we start. Well, making, I think, go ahead. Well, for a lot of people, there's a disconnect between that quote, big picture thing and the quote mundane things like with the, the Bruce Lee quote, the guy who practices one punch a thousand times or whatever it is. I, I doubt that that picture of a person, their goal is, I want to be great at this one punch. The goal is probably, I want to be an amazing fighter. And be, mastering that one punch becomes a part of that, that they commit themselves to for a time. Like when I was developing my piano skills, I ran scales more than anyone else in my class. I didn't enjoy running scales necessarily, but I could see that they were making me into a better musician. And I did enjoy the fact that you know, I could say, yeah, I know all the scales, not just the easy ones with the white keys. Like there was a lot of enjoyment in that, (laughs) but I think there's a disconnect, but if you can start to see how the little things affect the big picture and start to build the picture, and it's kind of a cliche, but when you start to see that connection, then your eyes start to get open and you start to see, whoa, this is actually cool. And I'm crushing in it. And sometimes that does need to be broken down to the most basic thing. Like, you know what? I got out of bed. I made my bed this morning and I got dressed and I exercised for 28 seconds or whatever it is. Like with the Moses example, it was literally, well, you're holding a stick. So let's see what we can do with that stick. Like get more basic than that. That that's literally about as basic as you can be. Well, how am I going to do this? Well, you got a stick in your hand. So let's see what we can do with that. I think if anyone were to ask themselves that question, well, okay, let me look around. What do I actually have? You're going to find something. You will. 
You said something interesting, Jason, just highlight this more is the idea that uh, when we're you initially said about the fighter and you're so right about the basic of that stick, I, I never really brought it that basic because it's so basic. That's an irony right there. But the idea of, I want to be, go be a great fighter. So I'm going to learn, learn all these punches versus I'm just going to master this punch. And guess what? You become a great fighter. It's switching that, that gear, starting with your identity. This is what I am. But Moses didn't know he'd be a great stick handler. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like, man, I, I really feel called to be a stick handler. And, and God's called me, man. He called me out and said, you're going to be a stick handler. No, he's going to be, he's going to lead these people. So then what he has to do is master the dumb stick. You know, it's like, who's thinking that? And so I think if we got into this idea, it would be such a powerful change that all the things that we're learning and the things we learn about God and the things we're growing in, in God and the kingdom of God and him being a father, we start mastering these little things. And maybe we find there's hundreds of options in front of us, or we just become utilized so well in that one option. And I think to your point, Kayla, maybe there's not a bunch of options. Maybe we think, keep thinking there is a bunch of choices. Maybe it's just one. I know God. And from that, these things are in front of me and I'm utilizing them. I really love the analogy. Well, I mean, it's not an analogy, but of Moses or yeah, Moses in the stick, like David in the sling, like God just took whatever the person had with them and like, he's God, he's the creator. He can work with whatever you have. And I love that. That like feels inspiring because it's like, I don't have to go get something that I don't already have, or like God has given me, like he'll work with what we have to just have a starting point. And like, he started with a stick and then he's leading a nation. Like, it's just crazy, like how far it will go just for that. Like Joseph and his, even his dream interpretation, like it was just that one thing that he had that we used in every arena. So I think that is like a huge thing even to inspire you to start somewhere. Cause it's like, what can you start with? Well, what do I have in my hands already? And that's like, just in the, in the morning, I know I can at, like at least start with making my bed. That's something I have or in anything. And it can go from there. And I think that's a really great point. I love that. Like it feels inspiring without being like the fake inspiration thing, like, but take what you have and see what God will do with it. And I'll add a challenge to that, not challenge against you, but, to all of us and everyone listening, if you actually take some time to sit around and look at what you do have, you would be embarrassed about how much you do have at your disposal that you didn't even realize. Let me give a real life example. So years ago, there's a friend of mine who was starting a game development studio and he asked if I could do some like voiceover and audio work for him. And I really wanted to, cause I thought it'd be really cool and wanted to help him out. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to need a computer with like pro tools or some recording software. I'm going to need some mics so I can do the voiceovers. I'm going to need a keyboard so I can do some audio. And I'm like, I have none of that, um, but I still want to do it. And what I did have was my iPhone at the time. And I was like, hmm, my iPhone has GarageBand on it. So I can technically record my voice in GarageBand on my phone. And I actually, there's actually a couple of effects you could add. You could EQ it. You could compress it. You could export it. So I could do all those basic things on my phone. So I ended up doing it, all the voiceovers for this little educational history game that he made. 
that was like a little mobile game. I did all of it on my phone in one evening. It didn't need any other software because everything I needed was on my phone. Like, and that might seem like an advanced example. Well, I don't have an advanced iPhone. I, this was like seven, eight years ago. The point is, if there's something that's in your heart to do, just look around at what you have, and you're probably going to find that there's something basic that you can do towards that goal to starting it. I didn't keep using the phone for years. I've kind of upgraded my stuff over the years, but that's kind of where it started. And to add to that, doing what's in your heart, if your pursuit is God, your Father, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, that's your pursuit what is in your heart is going to be the thing that's part of his will. I, I love that example. And I love what Paul says to Timothy in second, second Timothy chapter two, and it starts with verse one. It says you therefore my son. And I love that. So Timothy is like his, this is a great kind of father son letter because Timothy is like Paul's son. It's not his real son, but he's kind of just adopted him in. It's a spiritual son. He's taken care of him. And he said, you, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And, you know, we talk about the grace that, that gives this thing given to you that you don't deserve your position change, be strong in your position change, be strong in who you now are, be strong in, in all that Jesus provided for you. Right. So that's what you're strong in. And so a lot of times we just stop there, man, I got all this stuff. I'm strong in him. And then we're trying to figure out life. Right. And then Monday morning comes and you're trying to figure things out. But if we go along the lines with what Tommy was bringing it up of take your focus and just be great at that thing, just stay at it. And we take what Caleb was talking about of, I'm just going to pursue God. And then out of that, it, it, I, I flow in the thing that's in front of me. And then how Jason's bringing up, just grab the stick. If, if you're going to lead a nation, but God gives you a stick, just master the stick. Don't even worry about leading the nation. Just master the stick. Right. I mean, that, that's really kind of what we're learning here. If I master the thing, the little things that he's given to me, the rest kind of comes about. I don't even have to worry about how that's going to come about. Uh, we talk about that story with even David. King David, you know, it's like, he's the king. Like he's the one who brought in the kingdom. Jesus is of his kingdom. Like this is such a powerful guy, a man after God's own heart. And we, we read that part, but I think it's interesting. Jesus and the most quoted parts of David is his music, not his kinging. And so I think it's very interesting that Jesus uses his singing and his music and his poetry that he wrote, but we focus on his kinging. He didn't worry about becoming a king. He just focused on giving himself to God. He became a better shepherd. He became better this because he's loving God more. Therefore, he became the king, but his heart was always in the right place of doing those things with an exception. And so that, that's a powerful thing. So it's like he's doing the thing he loves, but he's also doing the things God called him to. And so this is something that Paul's telling Timothy. And he said in verse, verse three, he said, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So this is the father to son. That's an awesome thing. He didn't say you, my son, pursue your dreams. Just let happiness be your reward. Here's what I think you're just going to have a brilliant future. I just think everything's going to be grand. Okay. Paul is saying, endure hardship as a good soldier. Why? Because in Jesus Christ, that is the outcome at some point in eternity. It is the outcome. But here's how you're going to get there. Here's how you're going to walk this thing out. And then he goes, 
no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. So he's saying that this whole life is about warfare. This is what you're in. So even when Moses is mastering the stick, he's in the middle of warfare. But what's the warfare trying to do? Getting to lose confidence in God and therefore forgetting the fact that he'd already been given the tools to do the thing that he need, which was the stick. I, I love that, Jason. It's such a simple idea that we just throw away. And then he said that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And then he says, so he's talking about what a soldier is like. Then he talks about in verse five, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. So now he's talking about what an athlete is like. Then he says, the hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. By the way, the hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. And then he says this in verse seven, consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. And then he kind of goes into another subject. And so it's this transition point, but he's giving you, I want you to understand the soldier. I want you to understand the hardworking farmer. And I want you to understand the athlete. Endure hardness. And so in all of those things, if you think about a soldier, what's, what's a soldier known for? Repetition, 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 listening to the order, repetition, do it over and over and over and over. So when you're in battle, you don't have to think about it right? It, you're just, you're ready to go. To, you're ready for it. When you think of the hardworking farmer, one season you're sowing, one season you're watering, one season you're harvesting, one season you're letting it rest. You're always in a season. You can't rush it. It's just seed time, blade, ear, corn. It's just, it's this one year process before that ground is going to produce for the most part and you go through this cycle. You can't rush it. You can't speed it up. You just do each part methodically, right? Then you think of the athlete, a top athlete, like a marathon runner or a sprinter. They're different. So let's just use a sprinter. A sprinter does not wake up every morning and go, I'm going to win the gold. I'm going to win the gold. I'm going to win the gold. I'm going to win the gold, man. My, I'm just going to the Olympics. I'm going to win the gold. Now they may have in their mind. I want to get to the Olympics. But every day it's like, how's my breathing? How's my breathing? How's my step? How can I get a little more spring on that step? And they'll spend hours on their step, on their breathing, on their stride. How do they do it? How do they master it? And they'll spend hours upon hours, not running to, for the gold, but mastering those little details that if they do it right, they have the opportunity for the gold. And that's what all three do. So it's very interesting. All three of those different characters we're supposed to know does this part. How does someone stay focused on those little things when there is not this feeling of immediate connection to the big thing? And it almost feels like a distraction at times. Like, well, you know, let's say you're working on the punches. I'll keep using that example. Well, if the goal is to actually just be a great fighter, then mastering that one punch, practicing that one punch again today, is that really going to help you be a good fighter? Or are you just wasting time on that one thing? Or the Moses example, like if someone were around Moses, they could be saying, look, you're, you're carrying this staff, this stick around the staff around, you need to be figuring out how to lead the people and how to, you know, connect with Pharaoh and get the right stuff in place. So he lets the people go to get the people on your side and you just stop worrying about the stick. 
the initial answer would be like you have to want it bad enough but i don't think there's anything that necessarily you can want bad enough like i mean sure the like the fighter he can want to be like bad enough to be a fighter that might not be his core motivation necessarily like i think there's something deeper that generally motivates people for different stuff but i like for me which could be quote unquote the right answer slash cliche answer is like i think that's why it comes back there is only one choice and that's to pursue god because then like whatever it takes to do that doesn't really matter so you'll just like i think dedicate yourself enough to it no matter how hard it is to go after God. And I think it's like, even in a worldly sense, like if you want to become a great fighter and you truly do, like, it's not just like, oh, I want to gain fame or notoriety. Like if your motivation was truly to be a great fighter, then I think you would be desperate enough maybe to do whatever it takes. And I think you can also look and see that like the quick stuff doesn't work for anybody ever usually and like even like I think maybe like social media for my generation has maybe twisted a little bit because we see like these one viral moments but like people like especially on social media will be posting for like a whole year their videos on repeat their one niche that goes unrecognized or their YouTube channel all that stuff and like we kind of have this idea like oh they blew up their overnight success but even with musicians I think too from like stories I've heard it's like they've been at the grindstone for a really long time and now you're just seeing this moment but we like a lot of times don't see all the hard work that went into it so I think there is something like for me where it's like okay like if I'm making videos and I want to be good I have to watch all these boring YouTube videos telling me how to do it but it's because I know like I'll get this better final product if I know how to do all these different techniques and I want it bad enough that I'll sit through listening how to do it and do it on my computer because I know like what I, what do I want in the end and I want that bad enough that I'll deal with the boring couple little clicks here and there of all these different things to get the final product like the monotonous details of it to build something and like there's kind of a joke like in the whole media world like nobody knows what goes into to make a video because they're like hey can we get this done in like 30 minutes like there's no way because like it goes with anything like people may not see the full process behind it. And so I think sometimes we have this illusion, like it's a quick, like, Oh yeah, I can do this. But I think we have to like ground ourselves in the reality that it's going to be like a meticulous process. And if we really truly want that, like we have to put in the effort and time that it would take to accomplish that. And it's just kind of like a harsh reality. Caleb, can you just clarify uh, a point of are we pursuing God or are we running full blown with God knowing more about him? Yeah, I would say when I say pursuing God, God isn't some like objective that we're trying to accomplish. Pursuing God is more running with him, getting to know him. And like, yeah, so I guess that's good for clarity because we kind of have our Christianese of like, oh, pursue God. But God's not an objective, like creating a cool video is like being a great musician is it's different. Like it's about the relationship. So like, it would be more percent in the sense of like, if a 
guy is pursuing a girl it's not to like well maybe it is for some people but like to get to know the person like if you're pursuing a friendship with somebody it's to get to know the person become closer with them not to like gain them as a friend like you genuinely if you truly get care about somebody like you want to just get to know them and be alongside them not obtain them i guess i have a kind of a question to piggyback off of what you just said caleb um to me that sounded like you just need to have like the tenacity to like just keep pushing when you feel like you should give up would you say that's true or maybe perhaps like you track metrics to prove that what you're doing is working towards the long-term goal. Um, that's how I've seen it play out in my life. So I'm, I'm curious on, I think it does have to do with like the just keep pushing part and like knowing that you're going to win or you're going to accomplish this. Otherwise, why would you, why would you even attempt? Right. Um, there needs to be a confidence that you're going to win. For example, I guess kind of two examples, like uh, when I played baseball, I played on the all-star team. Um, at the start of practice, our coach would call us in, and then he would just yell at us, go touch that fence. And we'd just take off running and go touch a fence and come back. And he'd do it over and over and over again. And we hated it, and it was annoying. And it was brutal. And <laughs> But what he was doing was he was making us into athletes beyond baseball. And that showed up in the tournament. But the goal was, okay, each time I'm going to touch this fence, I'm going to push myself to not be the last one, to go a little bit harder. And it was those metrics. And you could start to tell over time that we could do it faster. We were getting sharper. Because he would say, what do you do is you'd stay – go touch the outfield fence and people go touch the outfield fence. And then he would say, go touch the fence. Well, you could just run over to the fence right nearby, touch it and come back and you'd beat everybody. So it became about how, how do you improve strength wise, but also sharpness. And that was part of like the process is like during that, there was like small wins that led us to then become a great team. And then another example, that one might be a little bit confusing and kind of um, there might be, need to be some more explanation in that. But with my job currently with sales, <laughs> it's like you can get lost in the number like, oh, I need to hit this number this month. Well, man, I don't I don't know what to do today. Well, you got to break that down into little little goals, little bite sized goals. And that's how I know if I'm going to achieve and in the end, if I can hit my goal today with talking to X amount of people, booking X amount of meetings, it's almost like clockwork. You know, you know what you're going to do. You know what you're going to produce. Um, and there is a tenacity into that because you, you can't control what other people do, but you can control yourself and you can control your attitude towards it. And maybe there's another better example. And I don't know if that exactly answers your question, Jason. I if I'm understanding correctly like so is it like tenacity is it because what I was saying earlier like the you want the goal bad enough or or is it like the metrics 
and I would probably say neither. And I'm cautious to say this because to be completely honest, I know it's not always true for me, but I would say neither matter. Like even your own tenacity doesn't matter in the end because I would argue we all run out. But I think what matters most is like your relationship with the father, because then like, it doesn't matter what your metrics are. It doesn't matter if you have the tenacity to do it, but if you have this relationship of someone who approves of you, then all the stuff that you're doing doesn't matter. And I, I'm cautious to say that because definitely in my own life, like sometimes when I create a video, like, am I always like, it doesn't matter how it turned out because like of my identity with God, like that's fine. Maybe that's not always true, but like, where do we want to land when it's coming to like when we're chasing after these goals and stuff. And I think it's not chasing the goal that matters. Like back to the first thing is like, what are you pursuing or what is, what do you want most? And I think everything else has to not compare to wanting God the most, if that makes sense, because then nothing else matters when it comes to like people seeing you for what you're doing or anything like that, if that makes sense, if that's what you were asking along the lines of. I I would push back on that because I think it, it ultimately does matter. Like your results that you get in life do matter. Um, I, 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 that's kind of where you lose me. I think mm-hmm. I understand relationship with the father and from that perspective like i i get what you're saying but how do we how do we find the balance of like okay ultimately it doesn't matter because i know god and i i know who he is and i know he's called me to do this and if the results don't come i'm content with that because i did what my father told me to do and then how do you balance that with the fact of like i'm not getting results in anything i'm doing something must be wrong it depends on who sets the metrics. Mm. So who's determining what the results mean and what the metrics for those results are. And I'm, I think, first of all, I, I have not seen you, Caleb and Tommy, you guys ever have a non-agreeable point in two years. So I'm actually really enjoying this whole thing that you're actually having a different view over a different thought. Paul understood the grace of God, the freedom, this free gift better than probably most of us have. Okay. And he says, as a result of my freedom, I labor more than you all, yet he's free from the labor. So to the point of where I watch Caleb. So here's what's great is I've seen both of you, actually all three, Jason, you, Caleb, and Tommy, I've seen all three of you, how you guys function in life. You all are committed. You all are devout. And you all would have a real hard time just saying, oh, it's okay. No worries. And just walk away from something that was put in your hand that you've got to give yourself to. I, all of you guys will labor at that. Like I've, I've seen it all. You would never quit on it. To Caleb's, to Tommy's point, I, I think you're 100% correct. You can't let go. Paul was relentless. I'm not quitting. I'm, 
I could go on to heaven. Like I have a full invitation to leave this planet right now and be with God. But for your sake, I'm sticking around. That's a relentless pursuit. Yet in yourself, you have no ability to accomplish that without compromising everything you are and adding things in and other gods to bring that to pass. You don't have the capacity to do that. What Caleb said is 100% true because his freedom and approval is not coming from the accomplishment. It's already been given. Thus, he is in those moments free to be himself to fully pour into those things, which actually become a driving force to get those things done. So the moment he's feeling worn down, tired, abused, why is he feeling that way? Because he's trying to do it within himself. So the moment he steps back and says, God, you've already approved of me. Then God brings this inspiration. The joy of the Lord is your strength. He's the one who strengthens my hand. He's the one who lifts me up. He's the one. And all of a sudden this energy comes back because the approval isn't coming from the outcome. Then you actually outshine the person that's trying to get the outcome. So they're both actually true. One's dealing from your spirit man, one's dealing from your natural man, and they're both real questions, but I see them both working harmoniously together. But it depends on where you're at on the spectrum. So to one person, Tommy, you have the right answers. Like, dude, you got to get back up and get working. You got to keep going. You can't quit now. You got to go after this thing. And then sometimes you need to come along someone and say, listen, you have got to let God's approval drive you forward. Because you're going to kill yourself and you're going to be at the end. It's all about you. It's not even about God. But guess what? If you're both are in harmony with God as a father and approval, you're both running so hard. No one's keeping up with you. So they're both happening. And I think that's why it sounds like a different thing. But as I'm looking at both of you, you both do the exact same thing. I think that's kind of a result you see from someone walking in authentic grace and faith. And to be really cliche, um, I'll use a biblical example here. So if I were to ask anyone in ministry or any Christian, what are some metrics to tell whether a church or a ministry is flourishing or thriving or, you know, functioning well, is healthy, doing what God's put on their heart, and you'll get a whole list of things. And you might get, well, how many people are impacted by it? Because if no one's impacted by it, then really, what's the point? Like, if you have this ministry for three decades, and no one comes to know Jesus, no one who's hungry is fed, then, you know, things like that, then it's not very healthy. And then I look at Noah, who throughout his entire life, no one outside of his family was converted. Not one other human being was saved from the flood, from death. So by any metric we would use today for ministries and ministers and successful people, he was an absolute failure, and yet he literally saved the entire human race. And he was the most tenacious go-getter because he built that ark. And it took him, what, 80, 100 years? Talk about daily mundane things. Here's yeah. how we chisel wood. And not even just chiseling. Okay, we got to bring some lumber over from here. So that's going to take an entire day. Uh, we got to get some tar. So I'm going to be, I don't know how they did that back then, but you're going to spend an entire day just hogging one log or hauling one log from over here to over here. Like that's insane. Meticulous attention to detail and just grinding it out. And he did it because he had the word from God and he believed it. But by our metrics on how we judge people in ministries, 
he has a zero. So I think it's, it's important to have metrics for things because like you were saying, Brian and Tommy, like there's, and Caleb, you agree with this too. You got to hustle. You got to push yourself. There's a lot of days where you don't want to do the thing you need to do. That's a human being thing. And that's really fun to deal with, but there's something empowering about when you're refocused onto that word that's over you, it enables you to just go for it. What is something that you have done? Small little things that have had a contribution in your life, but and ha- has helped you, but may have never had the effect that other people would recognize that in your life, but you would, you were glad you did those things. Great question. And this might be an extremely, extremely dumb answer, but doing the dishes by hand really, I don't know what it does to me, but it, it slows me down so much. And just the cleaning and the wiping of the dishes, the forks, all that, and cleaning out the sink, cleaning the the countertop, that whole process calms me down so, so much. And actually, it's weird. I feel so accomplished when that's done. And I feel like I've done something that mattered, but I know in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. I could have just thrown it all in the dishwasher. I could have left it a little bit dirty and came back at another time and did it. But for whatever reason, that thing to me always is like, wow, okay. You've, you've done this little meaningless thing, but you've done it well. Mm. I love that. I love that too. I'll throw one out. I just started when I came on, came back and we're in the U S visiting is I realized I was becoming physically lazy, even though I'm around fitness people all the time. So it was really fun giving them challenges to do like what we're talking about. Cause a lot of our program, we actually do these little things and they discover, wow, I can run 50 K and I can do 2000 pushups and I can do 2000 crunches and I can write my plan for my life. And they do it over five weeks, but we don't actually tell them what they're going to be doing at the end of five weeks. We just show them at the end of five weeks, this is what you just accomplished. They just know each week they have to do these certain tasks each day. That's all they know for the challenge. Um, but what I did is I, I just added like, there's no reason I can't take 12 minutes of my day and do 50 pushups and I have all day. So I have all day to do my 50 pushups. If I can only do five, I can just stop 10 times during the day and do 50 pushups and do five at a time. So I just said I do in the whole day, I do 50 pushups. I've do 50 crunches and I have a, a squat type thing that I do. I got to do 50 of those. And no matter what, I just going to do those. And it was interesting how much at first is like, oh, I don't want to do this. Now it within, within three weeks, I can now almost do 50 pushups in a row, which is pretty, pretty great for me since I'm old. And now I'm like, I want to do more, but now it's been the best thing ever because I feel like something's wrong. If I don't do it, like it, there's something about it. Like I did that today and I get to feel it today. Like I did that today. And you know what, is it going to make me super strong? Is it a fitness plan that everybody should try? I could care less. All I know 
is I said, I'm going to do something and I'm doing that every day. And I feel great that I do it. So it's kind of like the dishes, um, in your sake, but that was something I just chose to do. And it's, it's made the difference mentally of just accomplishing, accomplishing other things that I haven't been able to do. I've, I've started happening just as a simple result of doing that. I think mine is, um, Tommy thought his was little and insignificant. Mine definitely is a long time ago. I started, um, taking deep breaths in situations and I have gotten looks from people, um, concerned looks, because if you do that, especially when there's other people around, like what's wrong? Well, nothing's wrong. I'm, I'm just sitting, taking a deep breath, having a moment here to just kind of clear my mind and focus on things. Now I've started teaching my kids to do that too, and they do it and it is really beneficial. So any parents out there with young kids, when they're getting crazy, have them take a deep breath. It'll pay off. Trust me. But what I've noticed is that over time, it's just become a habit. So when there is something stressful or something that is just bugging me, or I'm really distracted or whatever it is, I can take 10 seconds and just sit there and breathe. And it's, it's indescribable how it refocuses things because it's, you know what? Yeah. Everything is crashing around me, but for the next 10 seconds, nothing else matters. And I don't care about anything else. I'm just focused on this. I'm just going to breathe for a minute. And I think there's a lot of psychology and physiology behind it too, but man, it just clears so many things up. Hmm. For me, it's probably, I got a dog and uh, taking care of a dog is, there's so many benefits because he's so much fun, but just like feeding something besides myself, you know, feels like I have my own child and uh, you know, I'm just kidding. I can't compare it to that, but like, (laughs) that's definitely a lot more work, but having a dog and caring for a living creature outside of yourself, that's, and also not getting mad at my dog. Like that has taught me more patience than even people because my dog has eaten stuff. And so that has been a great thing of like daily feeding the dog and taking care of a dog. Yeah. Super cool. That I just hope everybody kind of walks away from this conversation of one, the whole stick thing. If you got nothing else, everybody's got a stick that I think Jason well done on that. And just the idea of these little things, like even just your breathing, that isn't something you just started when you first had a major problem. You said you started practicing it years ago. And so now it's just a part of how you deal with stuff that brings things into perspective and Caleb stepping beyond yourself. And actually, I think we, we miss out on something. I think that's a powerful tool of learning how to deal with something that demands something of you beyond yourself and, and the dishes of that those little disciplines that we do, those are huge. And I think they're acts of worship. And I don't want to sit and break that down, but there comes a point, there's something that connects us with, uh, I don't mean it in a sense of new agey, it connects us with the world and helps us. No, it, it, it causes us to do disciplines that we're not normally used to doing to deal with things. And it, it prepares us. It's just like a soldier or just like a farmer or just like an athlete. They have the little things that they do to help prepare them for the next thing. And so 
That's outstanding. Have you read Brother Lawrence practicing his presence? So when Tommy brought up the dishes thing, there, uh, this book is huge. And my dad also got me to read this book. And this has definitely affected me. But it's been a long time, time since I read it. So I could be butchering the story a little bit. But it's, by, it's about the story of this monk. It's a true story. And it was this monk in a monastery. And he would wash the dishes. But while he was washing the dishes, he would like practice just being connected with God. And eventually it just like everybody in the monastery was affected it to the point where like people from other places would come and visit him to watch him do the dishes because they could just feel the presence of God while he was doing the dishes. It's I need to reread it again because that's definitely not the full story, but it's called Practicing His Presence. It is an amazing book. And it's interesting that you brought that up, Tommy, because um, like this guy's life revolved around watching dishes and connecting with God and it actually affected other people. So yeah, I guess my final thought is thank you, Caleb, for the perspective of, you know, being approved by God and not, not letting metrics get too much into the face. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I'm not sucking up to you, Caleb. I'm I'm being honest. Tommy, I feel the exact same. I'm just kidding. I'm not gonna do that. Actually, Caleb, Thanks. I really disagree with you, and I think we're not gonna be friends anymore yeah, after this podcast. We're gonna have to fight this one out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Guys, tune in next week for mission three hundred. <laughs> the division chapter. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say the boxing fight of the century. Me versus Caleb. No, but honestly, like, I I think it's good that we push back on each other and we have disagreements. And I hope everyone listening to that, um, even if you don't agree with what we're saying, um, that you have enough intelligence to have an argument against us and share share why you disagree. Um, and I think I found that very valuable today. And yeah, I think that's a huge takeaway especially because i feel more challenged by tommy disagreeing with me than brian and jason combined but <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> um but yeah i i think that's uh i love the fact that we can disagree on it because it will make me think about it more even if you're wrong um no i'm just kidding also a huge takeaway for me like what you're saying tommy with the tenacity and everything is not to like reject the mundane just because it is mundane and a daily grind and different stuff like that. But to like, I think it's one of my favorite things we've talked about Jason with the staff and just what do we have in our hands now that we can use. And if that's mundane things, then I think that's awesome. And I think it will be an amazing adventure in the end because you'll be surprised how God can actually use that. All right, we're going to wrap it up with that. We appreciate you guys tuning in to the episode here. Um, just one more plug for uh, visiting outboundlife.org, and you can check out where Brian's going to be speaking and traveling, and you can stalk him really well that way. I would encourage everybody to do that. And uh, just as a last thought, if anyone listening to, or maybe you've got a friend you need to send this episode to who's struggling with purpose and pursuit and those things, look what's around you, do something with that. It can really be boiled down to something as simple as that. Just see what's in front of you. What can you do with that? No matter how small you think it is. So we appreciate you guys tuning in until next time. Keep the faith, stay in the fight.